Another week begins as the Earth moves closer to the next equinox. This has been a hot summer with lots of activity as the normal takes place at the same time as the not-so-normal. This may be the time that many more of us now realize that nothing has ever been normal, and stability has wavelengths. We measure time's wavelength in days, and this one is August 16, 2021. And this attempt at providing stability is known as Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm the host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, details on the Belmont Bridge construction that's about to begin. New numbers from COVID show that the surge continues to grow. And a conversation with Matt Lawless, the town administrator of Scottsville. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, help support Black-owned business in the Charlottesville area. Check out the Charlottesville Black Business Directory at sevilleblackbiz.com and choose between a variety of goods and services, ranging from professional services, e-commerce, and beauty supplies. Visit sevilleblackbiz.com as soon as you can to get started. The summer COVID surge continues with a seven-day average of new cases at 2,058 and a percent positivity of 8.2. A month ago, those numbers were 336 and 2.7% respectively. There were 2,302 cases reported Saturday, 1,887 on Sunday, and 1,712 this morning. The percentage of fully vaccinated Virginians is now at 55.2%. That number is 66.3% when you factor in just adults. On Friday, a Centers for Disease Control panel recommended third doses of either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine for people who are immunocompromised. The Federal Food and Drug Administration amended the emergency authorization to allow that to eventually occur on Friday. Dr. Denise Bonds, the head of the Blue Ridge Health District, will be a featured guest at tonight's meeting of the Places 29 Hydraulic Community Advisory Committee to answer questions on the pandemic. On Saturday, Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville dedicated two homes in Charlottesville's Venable neighborhood. The two new homeowners are graduates of Habitat's Home Ownership Program and the Pathways to Housing Program. Habitat purchased two lots on 12th Street Northwest from Dogwood Properties of Seaville in December of 2019. Earlier this month, Habitat submitted a site plan for more blocks of the first phase of the redevelopment of the Southwood Mobile Home Park. Specifically, the Timmins Group has filed a site development plan for Village 2 on land that has already been zoned by the Albemarle Board of Supervisors. This section will contain eight market-rate single-family homes and 21 market-rate townhomes with no income restrictions. Among the Habitat units in this section are three Habitat single-family homes that will be reserved for households that make less than 80% of the area median income for an affordability period of 40 years. There are also 10 Habitat townhomes and three Habitat units in duplexes. The Albemarle Planning Commission got an update on the rest of the first phase of rezoning in July, and you can read a summary in the newsletter. In 319 days, Jack Jewett Middle School in Albemarle County will be known as Journey Middle School. 
The Albemarle School Board voted to rename the school, which has been named for the historical figure since opening as a junior high school in 1966. For more on this story, I recommend Catherine Knott's story in last week's Daily Progress. You can also click on the link for the presentation that was given to Albemarle School Board. After several years of planning and study, there is an active construction site near the Belmont Bridge now that the project is fully approved and fully funded. The city held an information session on the project on August 11th. Brian McPeters is with Kimley Horn, the firm that designed and engineered the bridge. The event was referred to as a Pardon Our Dust meeting. The project is primarily replacing the existing Belmont Bridge. That's the bridge that carries traffic northbound and southbound over the railroad, over Old Avon, and over Water Street. It does include a secondary pedestrian-style bridge. That bridge connects to a new mezzanine to be built in the area leading to the Ting Pavilion and will make the walkway from the bridge compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act. But it will also build a uh, concrete and steel structure that will be a great gathering place and create a sense of place for folks interacting with the bridge, accessing the new Belmont Bridge. Construction of the bridge will take about 31 months from now to complete, according to McPeters. The information meeting focused on how the traffic of all types on the roadway will be affected. There will be inconvenience, and we do ask for your patience, and it will be our job to inform you of what that inconvenience will be so that you can plan accordingly and possibly may take an alternate route or be prepared for slight delays. Right now, construction activities have been limited to utility relocation and parking lot construction. But when things really get underway, traffic will be moved around to different sections. Generally speaking, during daytime hours, traffic will always have one lane northbound and one lane southbound. And then you'll have turn lanes, obviously, at the intersection, similar to what you do today. For the full details, take a look at the presentation. Some other highlights from the project include the five-way intersection at Old Avon, 9th, Garrett, and Levy will be simplified with the removal of the Old Avon movement, with the section of Old Avon to become a pedestrian plaza space, expansion of the pedestrian passageway from the bridge to the pavilion area, and a pedestrian passageway will be built at the Grave Street intersection to replace an existing at-grade crosswalk. You're reading Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time now for another audience-supported public service announcement. The nonprofit group Resilient Virginia works to inform decision-makers and officials about how to prepare for a changing world. They're holding their annual event virtually this year at a time when we're all digesting the latest reports from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The Resilient Recovery Conference will take place the mornings of August 25th, August 26th, and August 27th. Take a look at the details of the event as well as pricing at resilientvirginia.org. Albemarle County and Fluvanna County both have one town, and it's Scottsville. The 1.5-square-mile community has its own separate municipal government with a police force, an administration building, a town council, and a town administrator. That person is currently Matt Lawless, who has served in the position since March of 2018. 
Before that, he served in the same position in the town of Boone's Mill in Franklin County. Lawless lives in Scottsville, but recently traveled up to Charlottesville to sit with me one morning on the downtown mall. Good morning. So we're sitting out here on the downtown mall. Um, I'm sitting here with Matt Lawless, the town administrator of Scottsville. Uh, for those who don't know about Scottsville, what do you administrate there? <laughs> um, it's a small town government. Um, Scottsville is the, um, the oldest and only incorporated town in Albemarle County. We're on the James River at the southern end of Albemarle, and we can see uh, Buckingham and Fluvanna um, from a high point in town. Um, so our, our small town government includes um, planning and economic development services, um, sidewalks, parks, a small police department, flood control, um, a little bit of tourism marketing. So um, much the same kind of news that you hear about around um, Charlottesville and Albemarle, but just on a very small scale. We have 600 residents and then about um, 5,000, 10,000 in the wider neighborhood that use our grocery store. Now going to the south, how close is the nearest town going that way? Further south, yeah. um, Dillwyn is in the middle of Buckingham County, and then Farmville is at the far end of um, Buckingham into Prince Edward. Scottsville, obviously, at one point, I believe it was the county seat of Scottsville. Um, before Charlottesville was settled um, and before the Three Notch Road was built, the trade up and down the James River was fastest and most efficient. So having a town on the river right upstream from Richmond was of primary importance. Um, the infrastructure logistics changed over the centuries. And yet the town is still there. If you drive through it, it looks like a... Well, actually, can you describe what it's like to drive through? Our, our historic district, the historic downtown in Main Street, includes a wonderful inventory of architectural history from the 1718, um, 1900s. You see all of the architectural styles, um, colonial, federal, um, into early modern, um, just within a couple of blocks. And despite all of the floods through the town's history, those historic buildings are preserved. And now it becomes a... Um, a cute spot for uh, tourism, small business, and um, an affordable place to live. Now, back to those floods, um, and there is a system, though, isn't there? Wasn't there kind of a massive investment to stop that in order to protect the, the town? That's right. The last big flood in town was in 1972, Hurricane Agnes. Um, water above the first floor and into the second floor of many of the downtown buildings. So in the, um, in the 1980s, um, the town organized and got federal support for a levee and pump system, which protects the town to a wonderful high level now. It still needs maintenance and staffing, and that's very important. We rely on a volunteer uh, core to maintain that, um, but it protects the town and supports future investment. Now, it's the only town. Um, has that always been the case down there in, in, in southern Albemarle? Yes. Uh, so, so town incorporation in Virginia is not the easiest thing to do. So while, while other areas of the county grew bigger in the past century, there was never an incorporation of another town. Um, so the, the legal structure of the town with a mayor and a town council and um, you know, taxing powers, that doesn't exist anywhere else in Albemarle. But it's a town, and it does have its own political identity. Mm -hmm. You're the town administrator. There's an elected town council. There's an elected mayor. Right. Uh, you know, just talk a little bit about that council and who makes up that. Like, mm -hmm. who are the people who decide that's something that they want to do? Yeah, our mayor and council are a group of seven volunteers um, running for four-year terms, and they represent a wonderful, diverse spectrum of the community. Um, only one of the elected officials was born in Scottsville. 
Um, so folks have moved here from um, other parts of the country because this is an attractive place to live. We have a retired railroad worker, school teachers, UVA administrators, World Strides tour guides. Um, so you see in that cross-section, you know, local business owners, but also um, strong connections to the Charlottesville community. And we really benefit from our location near Charlottesville. And you have been the town administrator now for just a few years? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. And now in that time, uh, you have... You've taken some bold steps in order to position the town. Um, the town is inside of Albemarle County, which many people who would be listening to this know has a restricted growth area. Mm-hmm. Are you in or out of that growth area? It's uh, kind of a fish nor fowl status. When you look at the county's um, comp plan map, the town of Scottsville is grayed out because we have, as a town, we have our own zoning authority, and I'm, I'm the zoning administrator, but we want to work together more closely with Albemarle. So we're looking at, in the process of the current county comprehensive plan update, what what kinds of growth area status might make sense for us. Um, we have this population density, 500 people per square mile is fairly urban. We have a walkable downtown, we have utilities and sidewalks, it feels, it feels more like a urban type area than a super rural type area. It's, it is built up and we want to provide the higher level of services to residents. So for example, in Albemarle County's recent housing policy update, we connect uh, Scottsville policy to Albemarle. We want to work together to provide a broad base of housing so everyone has a place to live. That population, we mentioned it, it's about, well, you're, you're waiting for the census now, but like, was there a heyday in which it was radically higher than it is today? Scottsville's peak census was 1850. Wow. Um, the peak of canal trade. Um, now that, that's 1850 the year, not 1850 the number. Yes. The year 1850, the census was a little higher than what it likely will be in 2020. Um, so we have you know, historic infrastructure buildings for a larger number of people, even without building new, just by refilling all the historic structures. Hmm. And of course, though, you're taking some steps with the zoning, Mm -hmm. and you're the zoning administrator, which means you get to, I guess, pass the policy and then implement it, I guess, or I guess not implement it. What's the word I'm looking for? Regulate it? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So you have taken some zoning steps in order to encourage some new construction or some new something down there, right? That's right. Um, Just this past June, Town Council passed a series of updates to the zoning map um, and also a package of um, reforms to the zoning ordinance, which I think make um, small-scale clustering of of new homes consistent with our historic district, makes that more likely. So we've got um, 20 acres of residential newly rezoned um, and several key pieces of public land preserved as open space. So I think we can balance, you know, conservation, um, environmental quality on the river with um, new investment in the strong housing market that we have now. Is there any kind of cap, you think, on on how high you could grow? Because now, b- before we even mention that, you also do, you're on the border of two other counties. You've got Buckingham County to the south. You've got Fluvanna to the east. And is there a part of the town that's actually in Fluvanna? That's right. There's a little toe of the, um, of the town limits that's over in Fluvanna County. So we work with both governments. And how does that work? Do you find that that's, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't often think of Buckingham County. I think of Fluvanna County a little bit, but. um... It makes it a little bit confusing. Um, During the COVID response, we had some challenges because we're on the border of two health districts. Um, In many of the regional services, the river is a dividing line. We don't see the river as a dividing line. It brings people together. But sometimes the bureaucratic boundaries make it a little more challenging. And it's. You know, it's obviously something, too, that uh, 
It is about 20 miles south or so mm-hmm. of Charlottesville, mm-hmm. um, but it's accessed by a two-lane road. Yep. So obviously that's potentially a cap on the number of people who might want to live there because there's no hope that Route 20 is ever going to be widened. It's no, no it's never going to it's never going to look like I-64. The traffic count on Route 20 is about 8,000 a day, and it has um, particularly early in the morning. Um, tradesmen and service workers coming from Buckingham through town. We have a pretty strong 7 a.m. rush of folks who um, are working at the hospital, say, um, or the university. And and Scottsville can um, serve them um, with, you know, breakfast, gas, um, snacks on the way home. But maybe we can also be an attractive place to live if they want to shorten that commute by 20 minutes. Um, You mentioned the infrastructure constraints, though. I think the capacity on Route 20 is one of the long-term constraints um, that you know prevent it from developing the way that, say, 29 North ever has. And there's no railroad along the river there. Yes, is there, there is. On the southern side, though? Mm-hmm. Uh, not on the, the tracks are on the north bank of the James gotcha. from, from Richmond to Lynchburg. How often is that line used? And it's, that's... A, it's an active coal and freight line with CSX, um, maybe 10 trains a day. Yeah, so that's not one that's likely to get upgraded for the passenger. We had passenger service in uh, up until the 60s, um, and I'm, I don't know, rail seems like a huge area of opportunity now. I had a, a train vacation just last week, and I've seen, I'm, Amtrak uses the Charlottesville line through Gordonsville and Orange, but there is that rail line from Richmond to Lynchburg, and I know the Roanoke area is advocating for increased rail service real hard. And the shortest path from uh, Norfolk to Richmond to Roanoke comes through Scottsville. Back to more slightly things in the near term, you also have a very large parcel there, the the old Scottsville tire plant, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is there any sign of life there? Is there any sign that that might come into action as, you know, are there... Is there anything you can tell us that you might know? <laughs> um, signs, signs of uh, signs of life, but um, uh, nothing right away. Um, the town's comprehensive plan calls for mixed-use redevelopment of that site. Um, they made tire cord, that white fabric that's inside of tires, from 1944 until 2009. Um, so the site's been vacant and increasingly blighted for 12 years, and I think it's time for... Um, the town to take a little bit more leadership on that transformation. So we've secured conservation easements on the wetland portion, rezoned that hillside for residential, and uh, courting investment in the factory itself. If you put that building in Scott's edition of Richmond or on the waterfront of Roanoke or Lynchburg, it would be an easy redevelopment. I think this is a little bit tougher market, but we can push on it. And you see good reuse of similar buildings even at um, Woolen Mills in Charlottesville. It can be done. And of course, you know, not too far away, one of the things I've been trying to figure out or one of the things that I've been interested in is the history of southern Albemarle County mm-hmm. and places like Esmont, which, uh, of course, recently announced that their purch- the Friends of Esmont is purchasing the Purvis Country Store. Yes, impressive. When we think about revitalizing or reclaiming places like that, which is a little bit further away from where Scottsville is, is this a retro thing or... What do you see Scottsville, say, in 2030, 2040, 2050? I think there's a full circle, and, and our, our history can be very informative, that Scottsville was laid out before there were cars. Um, people had to live and work near the same place, and the buildings are all mixed use. And we see that as you know increasingly fashionable again. It's becoming a more desirable lifestyle. And we have the excess infrastructure from when the town's population was bigger. So I think we can 
we can hold to um, an identity as this village that's the hub for this larger rural area. Um, folks always came to town for the hardware store and the post office. We can build on that um, and keep good connections to Charlottesville, but be of service to our rural community. And of course, you know, this is a, we're seeing some interesting times. The pandemic uh, has sort of changed the market in this area. And the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors put out their second quarter look just yesterday. Okay. And Green County sales were up 85% over the last year. Um, you know, do you think things are shifting? I mean, like, are you seeing, like, who is moving to Scottsville now? You mentioned that the town council was filled with people who didn't mm-hmm. live there. Who's moving there? Yeah, the the price pressure from Charlottesville we certainly see, and um, our prices in Scottsville have gone up. Um, but if you're if you're a Charlottesville school teacher and it's hard to afford a home in Charlottesville, Scottsville provides some of the same quality of life at a much better value. Um, so your your teachers, um, nurses, young workers. Um, if a, if a home in other parts of the community are, is out of reach, or if you just want to be, really want to be on the river. Um, you know, it's not just a price factor, but I think we have the quality of life, coffee shop, brewery, homemade pickle shop. Um, we have some of those fun things too. So a little further downriver, you've got Columbia, which is a very different story. I believe they, they rec- in recent years, they have recently stopped being a town. Um, why is Scottsville different from Columbia? Mm. Um, Columbia suffered repeated flooding from all the same storms that Scottsville did, didn't get the same top-notch flood control system, and under the threat of chronic flooding, um, unincorporating um, seemed like the thing to do. And so in a lot of ways then, so in the 60s, when when the town secured the funding for for the flood control project, a lot of ways that was an investment. That was a generational transformative decision um, with uh, Mayor Thacker and the town council of the 1980s, and it makes possible everything that we do now. Mm -hmm. And I guess having said that, and of course, you know, this is maybe a step too far, but you recently did approach the board of supervisors in Albemarle and said, we can help you with your housing issues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier that Scottsville is grayed out Mm -hmm. in the comprehensive plan Mm -hmm. map. Should it be? Being on the same page with planning definitely makes sense. Um, I don't know enough yet about what kind of policy direction the county comp plan is going to take, but I, I think we, I think we can help, and I think we can take a seat at the table and be part of the solution here, um, and not be great out on the map. Gotcha. So just to just to wrap this up, if somebody wants to go to Scottsville, um, and they're planning out their next couple of months, obviously with COVID, we don't quite know what's mm-hmm. going to happen, but. What are some highlights of things that are coming up soon? Oh, goodness. Um, well, the river conditions remain excellent, um, and uh, it's on a nice warm day, tubing and paddling, fishing on the river. That's a good place to start. Um, restaurants, um, the brewery, bands, um, parks that you can go explore. Um, there's a couple of um, little performances at our farmer's market and different town venues coming up. So keep an eye on town social media, and we'll promote all those from the from the farmer's market to the library and the levee walk. Um, plenty of fun to have. Gotcha. Well, gosh. Um, well, thanks, Matt, for meeting me here in, um, in Charlottesville, which doesn't sound nearly as interesting anymore. Uh, but, <laughs> Thank uh, you so much, sir. Appreciate the time. Well, thanks. That was Matt Lawless, the town administrator of Scottsville, speaking with me recently on the downtown mall. 
just a reminder that the Scottsville Town Council does meet tonight. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thanks a lot for listening. And what you can also do if you're really feeling generous is to share this with somebody else. Do send the podcast or the newsletter. The reason I produce both is because different people learn in different ways. One day, maybe I will subject you to video. That day is not today. You can also support this project by subscribing in Substack. Every now and then there is a premium piece. And uh, last week, that was an advance on the property transactions in Charlottesville. So for $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year, you can support this service. And the cool thing is, the company Ting will match that amount, which is pretty cool. And that way, I can keep doing this and plan to keep doing this into the near future. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. Not sure if we got to any stability today, but I certainly do appreciate that you're giving it a try with me. Thanks a lot. We'll be back tomorrow with another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Scott Lawless of Mattsville.